I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, leavers and believers. Welcome to Leaving Hill Song, and welcome back if you're a regular. My name's Tanya, and today we are going to continue with a bit of a tyrant, part two. And I think it's one of the most important and interesting conversations that we have around this topic of getting away from evangelical churches and what happens after is the way. People look back and wonder how they were involved in a system at different levels and uh, how they wind up kind of doing things they never realised they were doing. Last we left Dave, he had been a youth pastor, he had graduated Bible college at Hillsong and he was full of ambition and energy and enthusiasm for the vision. And then things kind of didn't work out and he had a hospital admission and... uh, found himself smoking cigarettes with uh, Joey out the back, which is not how he'd imagined his life to go. But Dave got out of that situation and it's a really cool story. So I hope you really enjoy it. We're doing some difficult stuff and yeah, I'm excited. Had a really interesting conversation with a man this week about the systems that form under perpetrators, systems of enablers and how They all work together and it's fascinating stuff and I'm dragging him on the show. So let's find out what it's like to feel those feelings with Dave in A Bit of a Tyrant, part two. I think, yeah, the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, right? Like you you, you don't need medication to to achieve like what God's got for you or whatever. It just didn't seem like, it seemed like cheating, right? Or it seemed like there was something wrong with me and so... Yeah, I took medication and it turned out, um, it depends how many of the listeners here probably know about what mental health treatment is like. It's a bit like roulette. Like you give people medication, you hope for the best and you monitor, right? And so for me, 
I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm taking medication. I also didn't react that well to the medication. And I can't really remember what happened, but I woke up in a mental health unit at hospital a little while later. And it turns out, yeah, I sort of had tried to take my own life at a whole plan. I had kind of when I'd been admitted, I um, explained to the nurse or whatever what I was going to do. And I kind of can't really remember much of this stuff and it's super hazy, but it was so weird to go from doing all of this stuff and having so much involvement in church and, and having my life on a track to suddenly being in a situation where it all had disappeared. So sorry. I, it, yeah, I mean, and, I, and, I don't really so remember extreme, <laughs> hey. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously hugely traumatic and hugely yeah. extreme and not an uncommon burnout kind of thing, hey? Oh, well, obviously, years later, I realised it happens to a lot of people. But back then, I really thought I was by myself. And I've got to give massive credit to some of my friends at the time were so, so invested in my life, especially my friend. I used to work at this sneaker shop called Vans on George Street, like we sold Vans shoes. And my friends at the sneaker shop obviously didn't go to church, didn't really have much to do with it and thought the whole thing was super weird. But they were so worried about me and so <laughs> checking in. And, and I also had some really, really close friends in church, including the girl I was dating at the time that you know showed up to hospital really the glimpses of memory that i have of the hospital it was not a fun place and and from the stories i hear back about what it was like inside i i realize it must have been very confronting and traumatic for people to want to come and visit me in that place but they did and so it, it was really really cool to have that support but it helped me with the reset that i needed to figure out what to do next if that makes okay. sense yeah, so the doctor diagnosed me as being uh, suffering from bipolar. I got different medication. I think I went through five mm -hmm. different types of medication, morning ones, mm -hmm. evening ones, all of the ones. By the way, it's all quite expensive when you have to pay for it as well. But anyway, so, you know, for probably a couple of years after that, I guess I was doing different sort of mixes of medication until the point where I was able to find a psychiatrist. And this, again, my partner helped me do this. She found me a psychiatrist that was very expensive but helped give me the time that I needed to wean off the medication. And she was strongly of the opinion that the diagnosis was probably wrong. I mean, what did you make of the diagnosis and what do you think now? Like I don't know. I think that, yeah, obviously there's chemical issues going on. Everyone has balances right. and imbalances. It's it, life's, you know, dynamic like that. But I don't necessarily believe I had a chronic, because if you know much about bipolar, you know that it's, yeah possibly not easy to cure or possibly incurable. However, I had been without medication for good seven or eight years, you know, so just put two and two together, right? Do you think it, it was environmental at all that led to, oh. I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'm just, yeah. it, there's a lot well, of people that come out of these places with mental health diagnoses that weren't there before or have been exacerbated or... You put two and two together. We're on a podcast called Leaving Hillsong. And after I left Hillsong, <laughs> I seem to be doing okay. So, you know, I think Ooh. for me, it's it's plain as day. I think the environment that I was in, the advice that I was getting from people at church and my leaders at church and the people that I sort of trusted and believed in was like, be in this environment, stay in this environment, stay the path, you know, all the sayings. And what I was sort of knowing inside to be true and getting from sort of outside world was, you know, maybe change your environment, maybe look after yourself a little bit more, don't push yourself so hard, find a job that actually pays money properly, find, you know, a, a routine that, that suits you. 
And sure enough, years later, I am in a job that I love, in a marriage that is awesome, that I love, uh, surrounded by people that I love, and I feel extremely lucky to have found a way out. So, yeah. Like, that's that's an extreme process to go through, to have yeah. to accept a label, manage all of those things and pay for the medications yeah. and all those adaptations and then undo that. That's huge. It, it, and you, you bring up support repeatedly. So that's, I mean, that's yeah. obviously very key is supportive people. It, it, they don't have to, yeah, be from a certain place or, you know. Yeah, maybe I'm the only stupid one that didn't realise this, but, you know, you, you see people like a, a pastor get up on stage to talk about how you should live and talk about what God's saying for your life or whatever. And the last thing I'm thinking of is who does this person ask for help from and who does this person go to for support and how? Yeah. what are the processes and the systems in place that help this person stay healthy? And you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about, wow, this guy is so invested in studying the Bible and spending time with God and whatever that looks like. He, he's so... You know anointed we use that word a lot it's christianese for what would you say anointed means i guess it means picked or chosen or set yeah, apart right yeah this person is so sort of set apart that i want to be like that how do i do that you know and so i think in my mind i was kind of pursuing that path and just didn't realize and see the signs that you know i've got to look after myself i've got to listen to you know what my body and my my soul needs and kind of find the right people to to feed those things and and so yeah just really i guess again i've got to keep saying that i feel super lucky for finding my way out of it and yeah again there are great people and i know you've said many many times so i listen to this podcast i'm a proud patron supporter i oh, listen yeah. to this podcast all the time and so i hear many times there are great people good people involved in churches there are and at the same time there are many people who sort of close their minds off and, and close their eyes to the warning signs and just keep, you know, giving of their time and their money and, and just to a point where I don't believe it's healthy. And why is that? I mean, you're so clear and you're so articulate about, you know, these two kind of, not different personalities, but these two feelings yeah. inside you, this conflict. What makes you persist? What makes people persist? Do you think? I mean, it's obviously complex, but how do we explain that is all I'm saying. Like you felt these things from yeah. early on and yet, yeah. and you see people persist in this in spite of the most, you know, all kinds yeah. of. I don't know, but for me it was, you know, we, a lot of our, what I mean when I say altar calls, if anyone sort of doesn't understand that is in a church like Hillsong and similar, you have this passion sort of preacher giving a, giving a message and saying, hey, God's message for you today is surrender X, Y, Z, or, or do this or do that. And so, hey, the, the, the message wraps up, there's someone on the keyboards playing music and the atmosphere is all super reflective. And they say, you know, if that message really spoke to you and in your heart, you know, that this applies to you why don't you put up your hand and why don't you come down the front and to this altar call and that's what i mean when i say altar call so you know do business with god quote unquote or you know give your worries and your cares over to god or whatever it is and and so i think many of those altar calls would be around the theme of give everything give it all just like jesus broke that box of really expensive perfume at the feet of that woman and, and give absolutely everything you have because that's the only way to have an, an authentic true relationship with god and when you're you know, when you're, I want to say hypnotized almost with that message from a young age, 
over and over and over and over. And you're just like, hey, the answer to my problems is give everything to God. The answer to the issues with my girlfriend or partner, give it all to God. The, the issues with money or the issues with my job or my parents, whatever it is, give it all to God. And, and you, so, you sort of just do it without even thinking. And it's like, this is easy. Hillsong runs five services a Sunday. It runs all of these connect groups and all of this stuff. You can be there every day if you want. So easy option jump in like all in give it all to god and i think that was where my ability to yeah see the shades of gray and see what i needed and, and look after myself just went out the window if that makes sense absolute sense and the that's yeah that is where the hypnosis begins at that altar call yeah. you were persisting and suppressing and going along and doing your very best yes to do the right thing yeah. at what point does it become like too much yeah so i think being in hospital was interesting for me it's something that's really actually quite funny about this and i cringe about it now but i'll be yeah i'll just tell you um so while i was in hospital i made friends with this guy i think his name was joey i can't quite remember but anyway we were both just because if you've ever been in a mental health unit hopefully not many of you have it's it's a little bit like prison where you are allowed outside for certain amounts of time you're allowed to yeah. kind of socialize and, and then you have to go to your room at certain times and you you get outside business but only with supervision so you know if like me you were at risk of doing yourself harm or doing others harm you had to be supervised all the time right and so joey and i just kept each other company because it was so lonely in there and he was a chronic pack a day smoker and so he got me hooked on cigarettes and i remember which is so funny because, you know, there you go from one side being on stage at, you know, at church or doing whatever, telling people how to give their tithes and offerings to literally punching durries. And yeah, with, so I... With Joey out the back of the side, <laughs> yeah, straight up. Just so, I just remember one of my pastors came to visit me in hospital and he was like, Dave, these aren't good for you. And I'm like, oh, no, yeah. But anyway, so it was funny because that was like I came out of hospital literally addicted to smoking and, and I'd sort of sit out in the backyard or whatever having a having my cigarette at the day to try and wean myself off it and just thinking to myself like this is so weird like on one hand I my whole life was going in this direction and on the other hand here I am now like just the picture of this washed up burnt out sort of person smoking literal cigarettes. Did you ever have a cigarette and pray? Because I used to be like, I'm so sorry. God, like. This is so funny. Yeah, I, I never talk about this to anyone, but ironically now everyone knows. Yeah, I, I think the irony was not lost on me. I just sat there kind of trying not to be too introspective because I was like, this is this is so weird that life could not get weirder. You couldn't even make yeah. this stuff up. But yeah, in terms of leaving, I just sort of thought to myself like, okay, I need to make some serious decisions. And another part of this was my dad had gotten very sick and my dad and I went super close, but I realized there was a gap in our relationship where I'd filled it with church for the past decade or so. And, and you know, I, I really needed to reconnect with him. And so I realized that I left my parents high and dry for a long time and sort of just ignored them while I was pursuing all of these dreams of being a pastor and all of this stuff. And so, yeah, it just really helped me remember what else was in my life before church and before God. And, and so it, it just helped me start to disconnect slowly. I think we talk now in the year 2022 about this phenomenon of quiet quitters where people are quitting their jobs really slowly. Like they'll drop down to two or three days a week instead of full time, or they'll, they'll scale back their involvement for less money, but it means that their quality of work-life balance is better. And I think I was kind of doing the same thing. 
So I slowly sort of extracted myself from my job at Youth Alive, which is kind of funny, like working at Hills Campus when you, you know, need to jump out the back for a smoke. It's just not really a thing. So, yeah, I got, got out of that and sort of slowly but surely extracted myself from all of my roles and bits and pieces. In the meantime, my partner, who was incredibly supportive, and I got married, which is super cool. And so we had each other and we we also discovered that we felt the same way about a lot of things, which was such a cool okay. thing. And I'm yeah, really yeah. grateful. Yeah for that but you know it obviously one of those scary conversations like absolutely well yeah yeah, we'd we'd broken up because i thought i couldn't take her where i was going right i thought that we 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 were so i thought that she just wanted to marry a pastor wanted to be a pastor's wife wanted all of this stuff and i just thought you know she's not going to get it from me this is terrible i've got to let her down easy and actually what happened was we realized we felt the same way about everything and we're able to yeah, it was super cool. Again, I feel so lucky. Like, I can't even tell you. So, um, so that's amazing. Again, the connection. Again, yeah. you know what I mean? The isolation, the censorship, the separation, even between yeah. two people in a relationship. And when that's broken down, yeah. it's, you know, it's like a dam and the floods just yeah. come and the rest is history kind of thing because people connect and they do the right thing. They do, you know, yeah. people aren't. Yeah without conscience yes because they're not in a church environment and yes. you know if they do get together and and compare notes like it can be yeah. just we, so wonderful yeah, yeah that's we should, great so to need to do a whole other podcast on that because that was yeah being honest has led me down the right path every single time with this stuff so you know just it was so so good and then we kind of i'm not going to say we made a plan but it was kind of like there were things that we started to notice when we both were on the same page and i'd started to make a firm decision like okay this is this is not where i want my life to go i started seeing the things that i wouldn't let myself see before and started seeing the way people were treated or there again i've got to remind you and myself (laughs) that there are many great people involved in that organization and at the same time i believe there are people there that are very manipulative and very controlling and very concerned with you know making sure the numbers and making sure that their output is at a certain level and and some of that's the master metric right not necessarily people and so you know we just realized this isn't a healthy place for us it's not good for me it's not good for us and we decided to leave but we were also very quiet about it we we chose not to make all this fanfare and i guess talking to you now is my way of just being able to apologize to the people that i was you know rough to and and was a horrible leader to and i remember this one poor girl at youth group once she was you know a youth leader doing the best that she could and i remember telling her how she wasn't doing a good enough job and she was crying and and i was like how how are you crying you know you've got to be stronger than that and now i look back on that stuff and i think that is like who the heck did I think I was? Like, it is not okay to do that to people, especially ever, especially if they're volunteering and, and trying their best. You know, things like that, I just think about. And that's probably the worst part of it is just the shame that comes from, you know, feeling like at the time I was such a great leader and realizing now that I was I was a joke. It was, it was terrible. And the things that I was building were not sustainable. Um, the things I was doing to people weren't, weren't cool. And it wasn't biblical. It wasn't... You know, and so that's just huge. That is huge. That is so honest and brave of you. And I'm not being cliche. I think there's so many thousands of people wrestling with these very yeah. feelings. I really do. And I think it keeps people silent and full of shame. And I yeah. hope, I just hope that people can listen to what you're saying and 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 follow some of that and just what 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 do you recommend? Like reaching so so 
I mean, I guess from both sides of things, that girl you made cry, mm. I mean, should she reach out and say, listen, that wasn't okay or is it up to you to find people or what? how do people kind of, you know, what might people do? Because you keep talking about connections, yeah. honesty, having conversations. What can people do to right these wrongs or? I, I don't know, Tanya. I think... A big turning point for me, I've told you this many times, was reading your book, People in Glass Houses, which I only actually read probably a year ago or so. I think when we first started chatting, when Leaving Hillsong became a thing, and I was, I sort of saw that pop up on my Instagram and messaged you straight away. I was like, who is this? This is awesome. I, you know, and I was so excited because I didn't know anyone else who was Leaving Hillsong. And so hearing about that and then reading your book, I just got the book on Amazon and, and read it in probably a day or two and realized that this is not an isolated experience. This is a shared experience. I've been through this stuff, but so many other people have. And I mean, we could all write many books on everything we've been through, but Absolutely. and, and yep. not, not one person is responsible. I think that's the other thing, right? Not one person is responsible for all the harm done. It's like a collective of, it's like yep. the group thing. And I think, you know, when we realize, okay, that environment isn't healthy, I've got to find a better environment. That is a massive stepping stone i don't know how to ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Leave best, and I don't know how to look after yourself best. Like, everyone's yeah. got their own yeah. recipe for that. And I think if, if there's one thing we should take is that getting up on stage in front of a heap of people and telling them how to live doesn't work. I don't think it's ever worked. I don't think it's ever, I mean, it's. What do you mean work? Because it's effective. It definitely. It's great at controlling people. It's yeah. yeah, It's great at getting people swept up in, in the motivational kind of momentum stuff. It's all of that is fine. If you're into marketing and branding, that's cool. But when it comes to happiness and contentment and great relationships, there is no one size fits all right. I think. Yeah. 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 Do you want to tell us the professional development story? Because I think that's a cool story. It's true. So, yeah, yeah, of course. In part of my job now, I I think I counted last year, I probably was in 120 different events and lectures giving sort of presentations around what I do at university where I work. And so I'm always talking to people, which is kind of good. I get paid for that still, which is, you know, a common theme. I'm sure my parents would be proud. But anyway, I went to this facilitation course and and I I walked in thinking, what is this person honestly going to teach me? I feel like I know all there is to know. So I sat down there like a big, you know, inflated ego. 
And so I walk in, there's this music playing a song that I knew and it kind of made me happy. And so I sat down in the classroom and the facilitator asked us all, hey, if you came on public transport, put up your hand. And I put up my hand because I'd caught the train or whatever. And then he said, you know, speak to the person next to you and, and tell them about what you do for a job. And, and then he stopped everyone and he said, you know, in the first few minutes, I've taught you how to control a room full of people. Firstly, I controlled the atmosphere, the music and the way that the room was lit and all of this stuff was conducive to a positive sort of environment. Then when you sat down, I asked you to put up your hand and immediately you gave me control and authority over you because you did what I asked you to do. And then, you know, when you spoke to the person next to you, you were following instructions so that I was reinforcing mm. that control. And, and mm. I just suddenly realized, I was like, mate, this is this is 101 how you get people it's to listen and trust so you. so easy. Yeah. When you look at it, it seems to be so easy. Yeah, and, you but know. it took me 30-something years to figure it out, yeah. <laughs> well, the, I mean, the older I get, the more you – and, you know, you look at the enthusiasm of young people and it it's just ripe for exploitation by people like this mm. who want to build their own empire. And, you know, you had a comparison, you had a family mm. of – comparison fantastic you've got a wife that's going to support you and you guys can make decisions together and that sounds like some of the the major distinctions because if you had none of those i mean where else do people turn but to the people on stage who are telling you how to live your life everybody wants help and community and and some guidance it's especially young people i mean this is all very reasonable don't you think yeah i truly I just don't know what it is and I don't know why more people won't talk about their experience. I guess I guess not everyone's an extrovert and I guess not everyone feels like talking is the answer. You didn't want to talk for a long time though, and and yeah. you were quite you were quite hesitant and and quite clear about that. And then things have changed and you yeah, it's a good point. You've yeah. also reached that seven year mark, which seems to be <laughs> some kind of magic number. For people, yeah, seven keeps maybe. coming up as a minimum. It really does. <laughs> I think I, I do sort of have a clue about that. And I think what I mentioned before, what scares me is doing the same thing I used to do, which was, you know, read some text out of context in the Bible and, and interpret, quote unquote, interpret, um, you know, what it means to get up on stage and tell people, hey, give 10% of your income or give, you know, or do this or do that because this is what's written in the Bible and command, and God commands us to do. I feel very guilty about doing that. And I feel very, I don't know, I, I just feel like if I were to ever tell people how to live or how to do anything in future, I'd better be right about it. But yeah. about a year ago, I think when also we started chatting, I reconnected with an old housemate of mine. So years ago when I was uh, a youth pastor, he and I lived together in a group house and he was, I guess you would say backsliding. Um, that, that's the word we used to use in church for when people stop going to church. Yeah, I, it essentially it just has all of these black sheep connotations. So this guy, I'm sure I he just, didn't care. No wonder you fell away. Like you were hanging <laughs> out with backsliders. Well, this is it. So Bonesy is his name. He's a very good friend now. And I know he's, he's very happy to be talked about. Uh, but... I felt very guilty about that relationship because I let him fall out of my life and I had better things to do, quote unquote, you know. And and so years later, I saw him pop up in an Instagram reel. He was talking about 
I think there was a campaign that started in the States called Religion Shouldn't Hurt. And he'd make, made a video of himself talking about his experience, deciding for himself that he didn't want to be, you know, religious anymore. And I saw that and I wrote to him and said, mate, that is so cool. I really loved hearing that. And I'm so sorry for the way I treated you when we used to live together and the way I sort of ignored our friendship. And, and he wrote back and just said, mate, let's talk, let's hang out. And so we reconnected and it's so cool because we've Yay. hung out many times Yay. and that made me feel a lot more like I could, I don't know, talk a little bit more because the guilt of, of pushing people out of my life up until that point, you know, I still feel very guilty about it and very rough about, you know, just not wanting to be associated with backsliders sort of thing and all of that and the hypocrisy of that, I guess. And so now I just feel a lot more whatever, like we all have made mistakes and I don't want to like reduce my mistakes to, to nothing, but I do sort of think, you know, someone's just got to make the first move and apologise, right? Right. I mean, well, well, you can't you can't go back in time. So, I yeah. mean, it, you know, stuff's been done and yeah. there's thousands of people that have had bits and pieces of this culture, which is Ooh. you've described a dictatorship and, and quite a, well, quite a brutal one. You know, this is how you're going to live. We're going to forget everything. We're starting again at Bible college, you know. Well, yeah, let's, I mean, if you really want to talk about that, I just remember some of the sermons that I... And let's be real, when you preach a sermon as a young pastor, you want to do a good job. You're on show, you're doing a performance, you are. You know that everyone in the room is judging you. And so I would very much copy what I'd heard before and what, I, what resonated well with me. And so I remember, you know, Pastor Brian at, at Hills, his sermons would be a lot like numbered lists of things to do. And, and an example might be the offended person does A, B and C, but the blessed person does DEF. And so it'd be all of these kind of step by step, how not to be a crap person or how not to be a negative person or how how not to be a stingy person. And, and then, you know, the conversely, how to be generous and how to be blessed. And, how, and, and so I'd sort of think to myself, you know, oh, am I being like a negative person by thinking this or am I being a am I not being generous? And, and so you'd always be critiquing yourself and kind of thinking, am I achieving this yardstick that's being held up? For me you know yeah so watched a video yesterday on how that constant process of self-critiquing will only lead to misery and more self-consciousness and therefore more more misery and less happiness within yourself so okay that's very interesting there there's a definitely a certain style i even do things in threes because there's always like three examples of something given oh. what do we do with young people like you who you know they're happy enough they're doing okay. There's obviously something that this place, there's a gap in our community, this place is feeling. Yes. Yeah. I wonder what we, I don't know. I don't know what you can offer young people apart from sport or or, or, or that being part of something bigger than yourself. Yes. It's a huge pull. Let's go change the world together. Yes. I don't know how yeah. you replace that. In I a don't community. know. I, yeah, it's... it's I, I take heart in that, you know, a lot of the data coming out about Gen Z in terms of the way they consume information and the way they consume products is that Gen Z seems to be a lot more critical and, and suspicious of large institutions. And, and and I love the sound of that. I love that Gen Z are a lot more interested in, in saving money and, and thinking about the future. And I think generationally, we would hope that there's a little bit more savvy going on and, and a bit more eyes wide open. I think when when I myself was younger, I just, the internet was just becoming a thing. And I think we only just got mobile phones or whatever. And we we just were so vulnerable to 
I guess, misinformation or, or sort of quasi information and, and a place like a church that seems so, you know, full of life and positivity and, and it was, but anyone being able to just get up for 45 minutes and, and preach at you and tell you what was true and what was not is just such a thing that I don't think flies anymore. Okay. Which I'm glad about. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And they, they, these Gen Zers aren't so mesmerised by Instagram and fast-moving images and special effects, I guess. If you've grown up with them, it's not as impressive yeah. perhaps. I don't know. I mean, it's all changing so so fast. If there's somebody out there that's like, yeah, Dave, I remember you made me cry too, can they reach out to you? Are you totally. Are? Totally. And you, you'd like to reach out, I guess, to some people around that you probably went home and maybe got a little teary on you. You know, you would have suffered yeah. it as well or you wouldn't know what one. Um, I don't know. I, you know. Did you not get my, screamed at? Many, many times. Many as a times. Friend, I mean, as a friend of mine yeah. says, shout to the Lord, shout at the volunteers. <laughs> yeah. Is that, I'm not one. allowed there. You have to tell me. <laughs> I don't know these things, right? So yeah. Like, we... Yeah, we, yeah. You know, I just don't care about, you know, there there are certain pastors that had a lot to do with my life. Some of them were incredible and are incredible people. Some of them are probably great people, but, you know, probably need to work on some anger management stuff and manipulation stuff because, honestly, I just sort of don't care anymore. I think, you know, the offering message is honestly such a thing for me. It it always stuck in my mind at church and and I'd listen to, pastors get up and say you know if you are faithful to god and if you bring the whole tithe to the storehouse and he will open the windows of heaven and you'll be beyond blessed and all this stuff and, and i looked at myself living as a single young person in sydney paying rent and going to church and having hardly any money to eat and and working at church and, and literally not having any money to now where i have zero to do with church except for this conversation we're having right now to be honest i don't and we are in a great position we're super just surrounded by great people great family i live in a new city newcastle which i've only lived in for a couple of years and already made some incredible friends here i work in sydney still but i get to work remotely i get to hang out with my partner all the time we have a beautiful house we you know what i mean i just sort of think everything that they told me would happen happened after i left right which is wild so i'm like you know what thank you I understand. I was completely with you. And and it sounds like you're not under that constant pressure all the time, no, that no. unrelenting pressure to do more and to do better and for more people and more countries and more planets. And- yeah. 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 And I feel for my friends. I feel for a lot of my friends who are pastors and who have sort of become sort of absorbed into that world. And, and maybe what they're doing is rewarding for them and they love it. And on the other side, I think there's a lot of people who are sort of, like you say, a bit confused and don't know how to get themselves out of there. But I just think life is so short. And, and I think, yeah, just there are people out there who are going to support you and look after you. And, and yeah, you'll probably have to apologize and say sorry for the things that you've done and the, and the ways that you were complicit, which I was. You know, I'm, I absolutely agree that I was complicit. I got up and told people, give 10% of your money to the offering because that is biblical, which I don't mm-hmm. believe it is, by the way. And well, it's not. It, yeah. It's not. And telling people, you know, put up your hand and accept Jesus into your heart and you'll be saving them. And, you know, like causing all of these issues for people psychologically, that's what I did. I did it every single week. And, and you know, that's the truth. And so I think a lot of people need to account for that and at the same time just do better. That's, I mean, that is fantastic and you don't know, like, I, I can't tell you how much acknowledgement means to people and apology means to people often much more in, you know, 
in in lawsuits than yeah. than the remuneration. Like it's it's huge, yeah. and you're wow, that's just so strong of you. I just and yet simple. Like you know, yeah. I've done all kinds of things that I just don't even want to. You know, right? Haven't we all got things at yeah. three in the morning that make us yeah. just want to disappear into the earth? But I'm sorry. What do you do? What do you yeah. do? You speak well, it, you know, and I'm saying, yes. hand yourselves in, boys, because, yeah. you know, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. And then yeah. people can do the healing. Like, it's pretty straightforward. Yes. Absolutely. You or, know, it's got to be said as well. I don't think you'd ever say it on your own podcast, but I think you writing the book that you wrote, when you wrote it, because that was, what, 2007 or something? Yeah. I remember being in church and hearing, like, oh, this person, Tanny's written a book and it's terrible. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, you know, I, but that long ago, you sort of coming out with those ideas and stories has helped people like me break out of it. And psychologically, like, I'd already left Hillsong. I was, I was, I was fine. But hearing that story and, and reading it and understanding that it wasn't just me and it was it's not just us, it's actually all the people that have spoken to you on this awesome podcast and in many other places, I think Janice in, in the States doing what she does and all the hey, other Janice. people. Yeah. It just like, you know, sometimes I don't cry about it. I don't like sort of feel sad about it. I just think, thank goodness that people are finding each other and, and helping yes. each other. Yes. Yeah. And that was like, it was my big kind of message in the bottle thing. Cause you know, yeah. it was really like, what's your problem kind of thing. And, and it, mm you know it doesn't go away that kind of like there's something wrong there's something wrong and mm. i can't be the only one so that's fantastic and i'm so grateful to you for chatting today these are massive things this is proper vulnerable stuff you know there's nobody sitting next to you right now there's no music playing you're just nope. talking to me and being really open and i think it's going to have a, a really big impact on you know it, this place has been dependent on isolation and censorship and shame of speaking and it's mm. it's so strong and it's so deep and it that's what we find out week after week and mm. you know thank you so much Okay. Really, Bye. really, thank you. I hope this sets off a chain of events of people <laughs> can no connecting and chatting because there's a lot yeah. of you know the rumors that get spread when somebody leaves, the innuendos, the kind of yeah. don't there's a lot of broken relationships that need not be. So yeah, agreed. Yeah, thank and you. thank you again for having me. Thank you for all oh, you do. Beautiful. And for if anything else, providing me with someone who I feel like is a mate just chatting away every week on a Sunday when you put out the podcast. So I love it. That was the whole idea. I mean, we're a funny little family and we're growing. And you don't have to talk about this, by the way, but I'm wondering how your marriage survived when others didn't, except that you're both on the same page, right? You guys had all... No, well, what happens seems to happen a lot of the time is someone has an issue or asks a question and then there's a great divide and, yep. you know, a pressure on people for loyalty and there's relationships break down yeah. and... I mean, you would have also had to have said goodbye to a lot of yes. friends, separate yes. friends, circles, contacts. Um, Absolutely. And a lot of it was heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know how you get through that. I just wondered if you had any tips. Um, <laughs> um, marry someone with abundant patience and... <laughs> absolutely just selflessness in bucket loads i would say that is the answer <laughs> well, i don't know you're obviously very honest and and vulnerable and willing to take the chance of the communications yeah, yeah? i mean we yeah. only live once right like 
you I may mean, as well find the people that wonderful. accept you for who you are and whatever. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Guess who's turning 40. <laughs> thank you so, so much. I, I can't thank you enough, Dave. This is no, truly, we just don't hear from many young married men who are able to articulate this. So really grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much more to discuss. Have a beautiful um, public holiday because you too. Queen Okay. Bye. Bye. See you soon. He's a bit of a hero, this Dave, to me now. And I really, really, really hope he's the first of many people that can reach out to other people and go, hey, did you see what I saw? Did you think, were you, can we talk? That kind of thing. There's so many people involved who have been subject to all kinds of misunderstandings and separations and isolations. And I just hope there's some really good connections that come out of conversations like these. Thank you so, so much for spending the time with us today. It's just wonderful that you've made it this far. And if you liked it, like it, subscribe it, share it with someone that you think could benefit from this. And, uh, Follow us along, send us some messages, feedback, whatever you got on your mind. Got a lot of stuff coming up soon that you're going to love. So watch this space and stay tuned. And if you really want to support us, drop on by to the Leaving Hillsong Patreon or PayPal and say hi and sign up. It would really help. We've got a bonus episode tomorrow with Lindsay Duncan, an audience author with his new fiction release, Becoming Ben, From God to Gay. So stick around. There's something to fill an hour on this long weekend. You know the rules. Keep being kind to each other. Be kind to yourselves and keep leaving Hillsong. And we'll talk soon. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.